Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Um, If you've been with us since the beginning, we've been talking about this uh, idea, the ghost of Christmas. It's based off of the novel of Charles Dickens. And in our first installment of the series, we talked about the ghosts of Christmas past. And if you were here, hopefully you left with that in your mind. That's not my shirt, right? We talked about how, how God does something better than better when Jesus comes into our life. And what's better than better? New. He absolutely undoes your past, absolutely erases every uh, failure and fault and gives you a fresh start. Last week, we talked about the ghost of Christmas present. And we talked about that there's a lot of pressure in the present, a lot of chaos in the present. But the angel never said, uh, peace on earth. Uh, He never said that the wars would come to an end. He said, uh, on earth, peace. In other words, the chaos that surrounds us is going to continue. What God promised was an internal peace in the midst of external chaos, right? And that was what we, that's our hope. That's our our promise. Today, in order to introduce uh, the topic, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles, if you have one, to the book of Revelation. That's right. The book of Revelation, if you don't know where that's at, it is the last book in your Bible. Just go to the end of your Bible. Um, It's before the maps and it's before the concordance and it's before the table. uh, We're going to go to Revelation chapter 4, verse verse 1. And before we read that, uh, I just, I want to let you know, if you haven't figured it out yet, we are going to be talking about the ghost of Christmas future the ghost of Christmas future. And it only makes sense that if we're going to be talking about the future, that we get a sneak peek at your future. And I got good news for you today. Today, you're going to be able to get a sneak peek at your future, and you're going to be able to do it without the reading of a tarot card. (laughs) You're going to be able to do it without the reading of your palm. You're going to be able to do it today without the reading of your horoscope. You're going to be able to do it today by reading God's word. God's word is so powerful, so powerful, powerful enough to wash away a past. It is practical enough to coach you through your present. And yes, it is even prophetic enough to see you through your future. Uh, It is God's word. And so if you want to find your future, go to the book of Revelation. And so we're going to go ahead and read it. Chapter 4, verse 1. It goes like this. After this, I looked. And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. I'm going to read it one more time because it's almost the only verse that we'll read today. After this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. The voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, before we can get into what we just read, um, we have to... uh, Really, before we can even understand what we just read, we have to establish the context of what we just read. You guys know what context means, right? Context is finding out what comes before and what comes after. It helps you understand what comes in the middle. And when we talk about finding the context of the book of Revelations, we're talking about we have to find out uh, the who, the what, the where, the when, and the why the book of Revelation was written. And I'll tell you that right now, kind of short little tidbit version. 
book of Revelation was written by a man named John who was a follower of Jesus Christ. It's his written account of a revelation or a vision that God gave him. God gave him this vision while he was in exile on the island of Patmos. He was in exile on the island of Patmos because he was a prisoner. He was a prisoner. Let's <laughs> give you the background. He was a prisoner um, because uh, the church at the time of this writing was under an era of persecution. Pastors were being pulled from their pulpits. Uh, members were being thrown uh, to lions. It was literally uh, a life risk to be a Christian, and John was no exception. The only reason why he wasn't dead yet was that they tried to kill him. Christian tradition tells us that they actually tried to boil him alive, but they could not kill him. And so they looked at him and said, hey, we don't know what to do. We're just going to lock you up. And they threw him uh, in this island. And it's in this environment that God gives him this vision. Why? Because it's important to talk about the future when you're worried about the future. John is looking at Christianity, this amazing faith that Jesus himself set in place. It's also 70 years after Jesus died and ascended and rose. So he hasn't seen Jesus in person in about 70 years. And he's looking at all these churches and he's seeing them all crumbling. And John is a little worried about the future of Christianity. Now, he's an apostle, right? He saw Jesus do miracles. He saw Jesus come back to life. So there's no doubt that he's full of faith. But at the same time, he's human. He's fragile. He's not perfect. And so even though he's full of faith, He's also full of worry. He's also full of doubt. He's also full of concern. And he's also afraid because contrary to popular belief, and I hope that you hear this and that you learn this, you can be fearful and faithful at the same time. You can worry about your kids and trust that God has them in his hands. You can be concerned about your health and trust that God is the healer. I'm only telling you that because some of you feel guilty when that emotion of fear, doubt, or worry comes. And I'm telling you, it's okay. You can't control fear. Fear is the natural response to entering into an environment that you cannot control. That is fear. What is faith? Faith is the equal and opposite reflex to that emotion. Faith is understanding that even though the environment is something that I can't control, faith is believing and understanding it's the realization that there is no environment that God doesn't control, that he is absolutely in control of everything that we can't control. It is the reflex. And if you're a believer, it's what happens. You feel afraid. You don't feel bad that you felt afraid. But at that moment, the reflex should kick in and say, but God's got this. But God's got this. And I think that was the message of the book of Revelation which can be confusing sometimes. I come to tell you, the book of Revelation is not about the beast. It's not about the Antichrist. It's not about 666. And it's not about left behind and pilots getting taken in midair while the flights are... And it's not about... All of that is true. All of that is true. All of that is true. But it's all uh, an illustration to God's sermon. While the method of God's communication is the apocalypse, the message in the communication is, I got this. That's what he's trying to tell us. I got this. Because can I tell you a little dirty secret between pastors and theologians? Are you ready? I've gone to school. I've studied. I spent thousands of dollars to learn this. Are you ready? Nobody knows what these pages mean. Nobody. I don't care how many PhDs, MDs, BBDs, DDDs, CDCs, OBGs. I'm just making stuff up at this point. I don't know what kind of, how many books you've written or watched or what documentary you saw on YouTube. Please stop watching your documentaries on YouTube. Um, I don't care how many times you've seen Constantine, okay? It's, 
Nobody knows what these pages mean. And listen, here's the best part. And that's okay because that's not the point. The point is God's got it. In the end, he wins. And here's the best part about your future. Nobody knows what it holds. Nobody knows what it has. But that's okay. That's not the point. The point is God's got it. He's in control. He knows what's going to happen. And it's good. And we win. Somebody needed to hear that today. We win. I'm going to let you in on a personal family moment with the promise not to record it, share it with your friends. I'm going to show you the very first time Liz and I took Justice and Zane on a roller coaster. The reason I don't want you to record it or tell your friends is child services might come knocking on my door when I show you what happened. I'm one of those parents. I still haven't learned my lesson. I do not allow my kids to shrink from their fear. You know, I'm one of those, like, if you're afraid of the ocean, I'm throwing you in the ocean. It's just me. And if you're afraid of roller coasters, we're getting on the roller coasters, okay? Maybe you're better. Maybe you're a psychologist. Maybe you can correct me later if that's right or wrong, but that's how I'm doing it. When you have your kids, you can do whatever you want to do it, all right? And so, and so I'm going to just show you snippets. I'm going to show you screenshots of all of our experiences on this roller coaster. We were on the uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which is an amazing roller coaster, by the way. It's great because you can... It was Zane's first time. He, he wasn't tall enough for like a year. And uh, poor guy, he's like in the 30th percentile of height. Oh my God, I don't know what to do, man. Let's pray. Let's just pray out of it. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. And so um, here's, here's, my, here's my face. Here's my face on the roller coaster. I'm loving it. I'm loving it because I love roller coasters. Okay? Here's Liz's face on the roller coaster. She's loving it because she loves roller coasters. Now, before we go to the next picture, I want you to take a look at Zane right here. This, before we, just in this picture. No, no, back. Go back. Go back. Go back. You can tell he's looking at her like, why is this enjoyable? Why is racing at uncontrollable speeds not knowing where? Why is this fun? He's looking at her like, I don't understand the dynamic here. Now we can zoom in on his face, and you can tell that he's a little freaked out. Go ahead. Next picture. Zane. Yeah, he's not, his eyes are closed just the whole time. He's just, this is going to be over soon. It's a nightmare, okay? Um, but now I'm going to show you Justice's face. He is not having a good time. He is not having a good time, okay? And to tie it all together, I actually have it on video. Do you guys want to see the video? 50 seconds. Go ahead and show the video. All right, Justice, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing, Zane? Okay. All right. Yeah. Give it up for Justice and Zane, right? They're going to be, um, one day they're going to be old enough to sit in here as I preach. And so this is my only window to embarrass them before they start joining us in, you know, in the worship experience. And so they are terrified. They are freaked out. Listen, I don't show you that video just for, for kicks and giggles. I, I show you that, um, I've never used Kicks and giggles in a sentence, right there. Um, I never, I'm not showing that just for kicks and giggles. I'm, I'm showing you that because I believe that there's a correlation. I believe it's a metaphor. I believe that there's an analogy, whatever the proper grammar term is for what I'm about to say. I believe that there's a connection um, between uh, the climb and the drop uh, that there is with today and tomorrow. Because in a lot of ways, today is like the climb. 
right? It, it's a little bumpy. It's a little uncomfortable, but at least we know it because we're in it. But tomorrow is like the drop because we don't know what is going to happen, and we don't know what it's going to feel like, and we don't know what's waiting for us on the other side. And I think for a lot of us, we are living in a continued state of climb. Every day that we're alive, oh, my gosh, it's going to drop. It's going to drop. It's going to drop. It's going to drop. And we live in this state of anxiety. We live in this state of fear. We live in this state of worry because we don't know what tomorrow will hold, right? But if you've ever been on a roller coaster before, you know that not everybody experiences the climb the same way. Oh, sure, there are some people who are clenched fists, sweating, crying, screaming, eyes closed, comatose. But then there are the other people, the people you want to throw something at. The people who before the ride even took off, woo, yeah, let's get this party started, woo, <laughs> they're those people, like that, right, they're those people, and, and, and from the outside, it's annoying, but listen, if you're, if you're somebody who, who worries about your future, that response should be encouraging to you, because what that means is that there's another way to prepare for the drop, there's another way to look to your future. You know, a lot of us are like Justice and Zane. What's the difference? What's the difference between my response and Justice's response? I'll tell you the difference. The difference is I've experienced it and he hasn't. The difference is I've seen it and he hasn't. The difference is I've ridden it before and he hasn't. The difference is I know I make it in the end. He thinks he's going to die. This is the difference. And from an outsider's perspective, you and I, we're, we're justice, and it almost seems like we have no choice but to be afraid because there's no way that we can experience a tomorrow that we've yet to live in. But there is another way. Justice had another option, and it was to listen to the guy who was sitting next to him in the cart, his daddy. Because I told him before we had even gotten on the ride, Justice, I've been on this before. Let me tell you, it's a little scary, it's gonna be a little bumpy. It's a turn. It goes a little bit fast, but Papi, we're going to make it. It's going to be okay. No! No! Hey, God, I'm telling you, man, it's going to be fine. Just calm down. Just relax. No! No! I'm trying to give him peace because I've experienced it, but he refuses to listen to me, and he freaks out. Let me tell you something about God. You might not know this, but one of his character traits is omnipresence. Omnipresence means that he is in all places, at all times. That means on one, on, on, on one plane that he is geographically in all places at all times. That he is in Florida at the very same time that he is in L.A. That he is in New York at the very same time that he is in Shanghai. But that also works on the sphere, not just geographically, but also chronologically. It might be hard to get your mind to wrap around, but that means he is also living in today at the same time he is living in tomorrow. And so he is speaking to you today through a preacher with the confidence of having already experienced tomorrow. And he's telling you, hey, calm down. I got this. I've ridden this ride before. I've seen every loop the loop. I've seen every curve, and I've seen every drop. And let me tell you, from the other side of tomorrow, you make it. 
You make it. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to destroy you. It's not going to break you. It's not going to burn you. It's not going to leave you. You're going to make it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And now we have a choice to either trust the word of our father and live in anticipation and reject his word, reject his confidence, close our Bible, and choose to live in anxiety. What is our choice? Are you going to believe the word of your father? Just go on that ride by yourself. In summary... There's two ways to live life. Ah! Or, with me. And all is dependent on your ability to put your future in the context of your faith. To believe the word that God said over your life. I'll never forget when my wife's grandmother passed away. Grandma Flora was her name. Amazing believer, amazing woman of God. And uh, her best friend, her best friend passed away. And at the funeral, she gave the, the eulogy. It was her best friend, which really, really old single ladies, when they bond like that, it's something special. They're more like frenemies, you know? And, uh, but they loved each other. And um, when her best friend passed away, she got behind the mic and she said, she got the mic, she said, I'm, I'm so mad at her. I was like, this is not the time. <laughs> this is, cut her mic, cut her, this is not okay. <laughs> Shut this down. Um, she said, I'm so mad at her. Listen to her next words. I'll never forget it. She said, she beat me. She won the race. Can't believe she won the race. She made it to heaven before me. And I look at her story and I go, wow. She was saying, woo, where the world says. And why? Because she put death in the right context. She put death in the right context. You see, because death in the context of biology, is an end. But death in the context of eternity is an entrance. And when you put it in the right context, if you ever want to stop worrying about your future, you need to put your future in the right context, the context of your faith, because that's it's the context that changes the meaning of everything. That's why John, before he started the book of Revelation, listen, the book of Revelation is called Revelation, but the future is not the revelation that Revelation is talking about. We're like, what? <laughs> I promise. Go, I'll, I'll show you. Go to Revelation 1.1. Revelation 1.1. Are you ready? Look what it says. Not the revelation of the future. Not the revelation of the Antichrist, not the revelation of the devil, not the revelation of the four horsemen, not the revelation of the beast, not the revelation of the millennium, not the revelation of the pit with no end, not the revelation of the new heaven and the earth, the, revel the very first verse, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you why John needed to start there? Because he was about to write a book that was full of demons and dragons. Pestilence and disease, some scary stuff. 
And this is what John is saying. John is saying, listen, I want to tell you about the future. But before I can tell you about the future, I need to tell you about Jesus. Because the future is scary outside of the proper context. But would you understand that this thing starts with Jesus? Oh, and by the way, fast forward to chapter 22. Gets who's there with eyes burning like a fire? Jesus. When Jesus is in the beginning and when Jesus is in the end, it changes the meaning of the middle. I want to tell you about the future, but the future is scary. So before I can get into the content, I need to establish the context. I need to establish the context. You know context, right? I know that you didn't sign up for an English lesson when you came to church today, but is it all right if I give you one? I need need to do a 10-second illustration, okay? You don't have to trust me, but I need you to close your eyes, all right? Now, we, we we do pastor a church of people who are still looking for Jesus. So as you close your eyes, just clench your purse, okay? Just clench your purse. It's... Just saying, we're not perfect here. That's why we come here, okay? And so, all right, here we go. We're going to do a little exercise. We're going to do a little exercise, all right? Close your eyes. I'm going to tell you a sentence. I want you to tell me what you see. I want you to tell me what you see. Ready? Jimmy had a ball. Stop. Keep thinking. Jimmy had a ball. Open your eyes. How many people saw a boy with a basketball? Raise your hand. One person, okay. How many people saw Jimmy with a football? How many saw Jimmy with some type of sports ball? Hands down. How many people saw Jimmy having a good time? He had a ball. This is my point. It's impossible for you to discern the meaning if you don't, write, if you don't have the right context. I have to tell you what, becomes, what comes before or what comes after for you to understand. If I said uh, the party was great, Jimmy had a ball, then you know. He's having a good time. If I tell you Jimmy had a ball and they were able to, 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 they were able to uh, play soccer because he had the ball, right? It's what comes before and it's what comes after. It's the context. Did you know that Jesus' other name is the Alpha and the Omega? And if you don't know what that means, the people who are shouting, they grew up in church, but they don't even know what Alpha and Omega mean. It just sounds cool. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek language. Omega is the last letter. He's the beginning and the end. Did you know he's the author and the finisher of our faith? Do you know that in life, Jesus is the context and that he gives meaning? And that's why you can't judge what you're about to go through, what you might or might not go through, until you establish the context of your life. God is in control. That's the context. God is in control. Alex lost her job, but God was in control. Ooh, didn't that change? Bob's, God, God, was, God is in control. Bob's car broke down. God was in control. Uh, 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 Clara, uh, God, was in, God is in control. Clara can't have kids. God was in control. God is in control. Uh, Darius found out he had cancer, but God was in control. God was in control. Eric lost his father, but God was in control. God is in control. Frank's got nowhere to live, but God was in control. I'm just trying to tell you, it doesn't matter what the future holds for you. If you can put the future in the right context, it changes the meaning. Changes the meaning of what what you will ever experience. So you got to establish the right context, okay? And when you put the future in the right context, the future changes. And it goes from something that used to freak you out to something that fills you up. You can look at the future and it can encourage you like it encouraged John on the island of Patmos. He was worried about the future and God used the very same future he was worried about to lift him up. Because he saw the future in the right context. And I'm going to tell you three, three things and it will come real fast 
Here's what happens when you have the future in the right context. You want to write this down. When you have the future in the right context, listen, your future becomes your filter. Your future becomes your filter. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. Here's how it goes. 4 verse 1, sorry. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. It's the verse we opened up with. The future can be your filter. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Ooh, I'll read it one more time, and I'm going to emphasize. After this, I looked, and there, where? Let's say it again. Where? One more time. And where? Not behind. Here's what I love about the future, if you believe God's word. The open doors are always before you. A couple years ago, I'll make a long story short, a couple years ago, I got a job offer. It was an amazing job offer. Um, the only problem was that the job offer was in a very cold climate. And uh, ever since leaving New York, I was done with cold climates. And, uh, and it, had, it paid good money. Um, it was a national kind of position type thing. I said no to that job um, because I, I love Florida. And so I said no. I mean, I prayed about it. I really did. And I said no. And uh, for weeks, I was depressed after that. I literally emailed the guy like a five-page Word document begging him to offer me the job one more time. I was like, I'm so sorry. I missed God's will. Will you please take it back? It was so bad. I look back now and I was like, oh, you're so desperate. It was horrible. Horrible. I was so busy looking back. I wasn't looking forward. I believed that my best days were behind me. I believed that I had closed the door on, a, on an opportunity that God wasn't going to open anymore. But here's what we know about the future when you have the future in the right context. The best door is always open ahead of you, before you. That means you gotta be, now you've got to learn to reject regret. You've got to learn to forget the missed opportunities. You've got to forget about the, the, the messed up relationship. You've got to begin to look forward because it might have been good back then, but the best is still yet to come. And what if that phrase became more than just a cliche in our lives? The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. What if that became more than just a tattoo? What if that just became more than a poster in your kitchen? I have that poster in my kitchen. What if that became more than just a coffee cup? I have that coffee cup. What if that just became more? What if you actually use that philosophy of your future that the best is yet to come and use that to filter everything that you experience today? What would that breakup look like filtered through the best is yet to come? What would that layoff look like filtered through the best is yet to come? What does your heyday as an all-star athlete look like when you filter that through the best is yet to come? What if your 30s, and I don't know there are people in their 50s who are like, don't even go there, Jay, but there are people in their 20s, remember, who are freaking out about turning 30. What if your 30s were filtered through the best is yet to come? What if your 40s were filtered? Through the best is yet to come. What if your 60s were filtered? Through the best is yet to come. What if your 70s were filtered? Through the best is yet to come. How long does this go? Until you're 108. Not literally, but figuratively. 108, you're standing in your bed. You got IV in your veins. You can hear the doctor talking to your kids and your grandkids saying, hey, I think he or she's only got, he, she's only got maybe 10 or 15 more minutes of life. And then they're going. And then you're going to look over and you're going, don't worry, baby. The best is yet to come. What happens if you use that philosophy through your life, believing that the best is always tomorrow? Whether it's death waiting for you or a layoff waiting for you or a breakup waiting for you, the best is yet to come. I looked up into heaven and I saw an open door, not a closed door, not a dead end, not a U-turn, not a turn back, an open door. 
ahead of you. Oh, I got a good one. What if you filtered Monday? What if you filter Monday? I'm talking about Monday. Oh, it's easy to praise God now. We got music and I'm praising it, but you're a different person on Monday. Gotta go to work on Monday. Uh, has anybody ever watched a movie on Sunday and just, I could stay and watch the next one. Just want, running away from Monday. Just don't want to go to Monday. But what if you filtered Monday? The best is yet to come. It changes the way you live life. And the future is your filter. The future can also be your fuel. Which is ironic because opposite or to fuel, the future often gives me fatigue. Any, anybody ever get tired just looking at your to-do list? Just looking at it. No. No. I choose no. <laughs> I will not do these things. I'm tired. Anybody getting tired just looking at the 36 parties you got left to attend in the month of December? Oh, my goodness. How many Christmas parties can possibly happen in one month? Good night. So many. I love y'all. I can't go to all y'all parties, all right? I was DMing me. Um, I just, no, I want to, but I can't. There's not enough days. You can't have 40 parties in a month. That has, however many days it has. You can't. All right? Maybe it's not the parties that are tiring you out. Maybe it's the custody battles, the court visits. Maybe it's the weekly dialysis trips. How is it, how do you get excited about a future that is not appealing? Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus figured it out. He did it. Could you imagine being Jesus, having to live every moment of your life knowing how it already ends? Waking up in the morning knowing that the guy who shook your hand is going to be the same guy who drives a nail through it? Calling the person into your ministry who you know is going to betray you one day? How do you wake up with energy and passion knowing that it all ends on a cross naked? I'll tell you how he did it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's the secret. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, that's the first part, the pioneer and perfecter, mm. the beginning and the end. Mm. It starts with the context. Getting the right context of Jesus and then looking at Jesus, understanding how Jesus did it right there. For the joy set where? Before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know how Jesus did it? He wasn't looking at the cross. He was looking at the throne. He wasn't looking at the pain of a crucifixion. He was looking at the joy of a resurrection. He had his eyes fixed on the future, and it was the future that filled him up. The authors of Hebrews is saying, if you get tired sometimes, I've got a solution for your exhaustion. Because I get tired sometimes. I want you to know, I get tired sometimes of opening my Bible. I get tired sometimes. Can I be real? I get tired sometimes praying for people to know Jesus who don't show me any signs of ever coming to know Jesus. I get tired sometimes of doing the right thing when I know that everybody else around me is cheating. I get tired sometimes of keeping my mouth shut when other people are talking about me. I get tired sometimes of helping people who I know will never, ever, ever, ever help me. I get tired sometimes of doing hospital visits for people who I know are 
going to leave the church in two months. I get tired sometimes. But when I get tired, i got to do what the authors of Hebrews said. i got to put my temporary in the context of eternity. And no matter what I go through, and no matter what I face, and no matter how difficult, and no matter how hard, I know that on the other side is a crown, is a thorn, is a reward, is my Christ, is my Savior, is my love, is my future, is my hope. I'm going through a lot right now, and there's a lot behind me. The only way you can get through it is if you keep your eyes on what's before you. On what's before you, and let me tell you what's before you. Him. Him. Your hope and your strength and your power and your purpose and your faith and your life and your love and your grace and your mercy and your goodness and your, all of it. It's found in him. You're having trouble getting through today? Look to tomorrow. Don't let it discourage you. Let it drive you because I know that there's a treasure, a reward waiting for me in heaven. And finally, the future, when you have it in the right context, not only becomes your filter, not only becomes, what was the second one? Just making sure you knew. It also becomes your freedom. Your freedom. Your freedom. I'm gonna read in Revelation chapter four, verse two. So he said, I heard a voice. He said, come up here, right? That was what we ended on, verse one. And he said, and here's verse two, Revelation. At once, I was in the spirit. And there was before me a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. There was a throne before me in heaven with someone sitting on it. You know, when I was a child, all I wanted to be was an authority figure. Do you remember when you were a kid and all you want to do is grow up? I remember that. I wanted to be an authority figure because the authority figure was the one who got to decide what time you went to bed. I wanted to be an authority figure because the authority figure decided uh, where we would go for, where we would go to on vacation. I wanted to be an authority figure because the authority figure decided what we bought from the store. My mom would always tell me, I was like, I want that. She goes, great, you got money? You know I ain't got money, mom. Well, then you can't have it. I wanted to be an authority figure until I became one. And then I realized that the authority figures also have to get a job, also have to pay taxes, also have to wash cars, also have to cut grass, also got to clean up. I was having lunch with one of our staffers, this guy, having lunch with him. And uh, we were talking about Isaiah, we were talking about going to bed early and getting up early. And he's starting to do that now. And I'm like, dude, I'm so proud of you, man. Like, you know, like, becoming an adult, man. Way to go. He's like, yeah. He's like, I think I want to be a kid again. He's like, man, Christmas, you know, Christmas. Kid, you know, you're, you're just chilling. You don't have that work. You don't, you're just, I can't we just be kids again. I go, man, isn't it a shame that we never appreciate how good we had it until we become adults? In the same. And now that we're adults, we're just all trying to curl back into the womb, you know? Like, please, just one more day. It's a shame that it doesn't hit us. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. It's a shame that it doesn't hit us until we're older, that we had way more freedom as a child than we did as an authority figure. Oh, maybe not the freedom to decide your bedtime. Maybe not the freedom to cross the street by yourself without an adult. Do you know what kind of freedom you had? Carefree. Worry-free. 
worry-free. You know what the irony is? All of the care and all of the worry and all of the fear and all the anxiety, it came as soon as you took charge. As soon as you decided to become the authority figure, with the authority came worry. And with the authority came anxiety. And with the authority came concern. And with the authority came fear. Kids, they don't care. They don't worry. When I was a kid, you think I worried where the milk came from? You think I worried how the milk even got there? All I know, there's magical little fairies. Milking cows. Putting it in, in a little bit and then putting it in my fridge. I open up the fridge, I get milk, I pour my cereal. I'm not in charge, so I don't care. You think Justice cares where his clothes come from? Never once has he asked me, where do my clothes come from? I, I wish I could sit him down and say, it's because daddy works really hard. You need to appreciate that. Stop being so ungrateful. This clothes you have right now, I did it. He don't care because he's not in charge. You think Zane cares about, about the roof that he has over his head? He has no idea how many years Liz and I had to work to be able to save up money to buy a house. And you know why he doesn't care? Because he's not in charge. Oh, and I got good news. I got a revelation. I got a revelation for you if you're willing to accept it. Someone is sitting on the throne and it ain't you. Someone is in charge, and it ain't you. Someone is sitting over earth and heaven, your past, your present, and your future, and it ain't you. Jesus says, I'm sitting on the throne. That means, guess what? You can go back to being carefree. You can go back to being worry-free, because I got this. I got this. I got this. I'm in charge. I'll be the answer. I'll be the solution. You don't know where your home's coming from? That's okay. You're not in charge. He got this. You don't know where your children are going to come from? That's okay. Don't worry. He got this. You don't know where your career is coming from? That's okay. Don't worry. He's got this. You don't know where your husband is coming from? Come on, somebody say amen. That's okay. Don't worry. He's got it. You don't know. You don't know where your ministry is coming from, where your business is coming from. That's okay. You're not in charge. Let the person who's sitting on the throne be on the throne. Take the crown off of your head, put it on his head, and give him the authority that he died to assume. Give him back the authority that he died to assume. He's in charge. You're not. That's good news. Because I can go back to living my life, enjoying today and tomorrow, knowing that he's going to put milk in the fridge. He's going to put shoes on my feet. He's going to put a roof over my head. He's going to get me through college. He's going to help me save enough for retirement. He's going to help my grandchildren come back to Jesus. He's going to help my daughter and my son come back to Jesus. He's going to help the, he's going to, he's God. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you're struggling with the future, I want to invite you to put your future in the context of your faith. To believe that there is a God who is not, not, not ready. He's, he's prepared. And he knows, and he's ready. He's ridden the ride. 
and he's come to tell you today, you're a preacher. I've been there, and it's great, and you got this. Close your eyes right now, if that's you. If that's you, and you find yourself wrestling with the future, let me encourage you. Are you ready? With eyes closed, please hear the voice of God this morning. Please hear the voice of God this morning. Don't worry, Tiana, I got this. Don't worry, Alex, I got this. Don't worry, Evie, I got this. Don't worry, Liz, I got this. Come on, someone needs to hear that. Don't worry, Danny, I got this. Don't worry, Charlie, I got this. Don't worry, Rebecca, I got this. Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Take a second. Receive the confidence. Receive the courage. Receive the certainty in the uncertainty. I got this. Amen. Hey, if you're here this morning and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want to tell you nothing that I've preached works unless he's the context. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. Maybe you're a guest, you know, like you're visiting with us for the first time. Maybe you grew up in church or you, you, your experience in church was nominal. You're a Christian by name, but you don't really know, know God. Here's your opportunity to step into the context of Christ. You don't have to climb a mountain. You don't have to fast 30 days. All you have to do is invite him. Jesus, come inside my heart. Be the context of my life. I want you to take control. I want you to take charge. Every person is born sitting on the throne of their own life. Salvation is the moment you say, I suck at this. I tried. It was a wreck. So I'm getting off. And I'm inviting you to take charge. If you've never made that prayer before, every, every eye closed, every head, I just want to give a moment of privacy. Thank you for working with me. If you've never prayed that prayer before, you're, you're here right now. On the count of three, I want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky as a signal. Nobody's looking. As a signal, I'm ready to give him control. One, this is your moment. Two, if that's you, lift up your hand on three. You want to give him the throne. One, two, three, right now. Lift up your hand. Come on, I see it. 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 You can put your hand back down. All right, make this moment personal. Say it however you want to say it. Just say, God, I'm tired of being in charge. I've got 23 years of being in charge, 39 years of being in charge, 50 years of being in charge, 16 years of being in charge, and it was not good. So I'm giving you control. Take over, take over, take over. Take over, take over, take over. All right, church, pray this prayer with me. I want everyone to pray this prayer. Father God, thank you for your word today. Jesus, I give you my life. I can't promise perfection, but I give you my life. I love you, and I know that you love me. And today... I give you my future. Take charge, because I can't do it. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want you to welcome what looked like about 20 people living their life to Jesus Christ. Come on. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. 
We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.